0: If you would turn in your Bibles, uh, I'm going to look at a section, really, of Scripture here, so Matthew 18 through 20, Matthew 18 through 20, and um, again, just in regards to the E-teams. Uh, Some have asked me, well, how old do you have to be? Well, we've had a nine-year-old and we've had an 89-year-old. So if you fit into that group, uh, chances are there's room for you. All right, Matthew 18 through 20, and I just want to uh, highlight a couple things. Obviously, we're not going to go into any kind of great detail here, or we will be here all night. Um, But what I want to see is, what I've seen through this is how the Lord sees and how we see. And we're, like at least I'm speaking from my own perspective, I usually see things completely the opposite of him. You know, so often I was sharing with people today, you know, sometimes you have something happen in your life, right? Somebody really troubles you or whatever, and you're thinking, like, why me? Why me? Now, probably the Lord would say, well, yeah, you need it, actually. That's why it's you, right? Right? and if we really saw things as a challenge from that perspective, I remember saying to a lady once, I said, you know that there's this one little boy who's just really hard. I said, if, I said, if the Lord had called you up last night and said, uh, hey, Marilyn, I got, a, I got a, a real tough one tomorrow for you. Oh, what's that? You know Johnny there, the little brat? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to be able to be with him all day long, and he's going to work on you. I said, what would you do? How would you handle that? She said, if the Lord asked me to do it, oh, yeah, I'd I'd be going, all right. What, What time does it start? Nine, I'm in. I'll be there at 8.30, right? And often that's our problem is we look at things not through his eyes. And we see this as I've gone through Matthew's gospel. I've preached a lot on it over the last year and a half. And often see how the disciples see and how the Lord sees. And in these three chapters here, we see the the, the same thing. He's trying to give us a glimpse of what things are like in heaven and what things are like here. It's always, usually it's the opposite of how we think. Well, chapter 18, you know, deals with discipline, right, within that. And sometimes when we're looking at this, our eyes get off the focus and so on. And uh, for instance, we often hear that scripture taken out of context where two or three are gathered together. There am I in the midst. And really, it's dealing with, in, in light of discipline, isn't it? But, you know, besides that little portion within, within this uh, text, you'll see that he's concerned about believers. You know, sometimes we get overjoyed if somebody gets saved, but what about the brother or sister who was in sin and has come back to the Lord? Do we rejoice the same way? Because the Lord does, Right. And so you see that in that chapter, I think, what is it, verse 11, it gives us why he came. It says, the son of man is to come to save that which is lost. That was his mission. And it really should be our mission, shouldn't it? Right? We're supposed to be like him in all things. And he goes on in that chapter, he says, uh, how think you if a man have, have a hundred sheep and one of them gone astray? Now he doesn't use the word lost here, but gone astray. And actually three times in this portion he talks about this. And he goes on, of course to then deal with someone who does sin. And you know what it says. It says, moreover, if your brother shall trespass against you, go find some other people to tell and make sure they know about it. And so, you know, that's generally how it's handled, isn't it? You have a problem and you go, oh, man, you know what Bill did to me? And you tell me, and before you know it, I'm thinking, oh, that Bill, he's a rotter, isn't he? Man, I'll tell you next time Bill comes up, hey, Tim, yeah, hey, how you doing, Bill? (laughs) <laughs> it's just so wrong, but that's what we do, right? And so here he's giving a definition. What, do you, what are you supposed to do if somebody does something? You're supposed to go to that brother, that sister. How often is it that people just let it burn inside, right? They don't say anything? Brother, you said that to me? I won't tell anybody, but inside I'm, it's eating me away, right? It's just so wrong. I remember a brother, uh, I was preaching once, I don't know what I said, but whatever I said, he thought I said something about him. And he came up to me afterwards, first time ever for me that that's happened. Well, I've had people challenge me, but first time somebody's came and, and uh, in particular was, uh, was offended or thought I said something. You know, but within two minutes, you know, the whole thing was cleared up. And we were great friends afterwards. Because it was, it was actually a misunderstanding. I mean, sometimes you look at uh, over there, you know, and, and, and you look at Bill... And you see that, and you think, man, did he look at me like that? No, meanwhile, his back is killing him, you know, and he he actually, you know, that precise moment is when he, you thought he sneered at you or whatever, and sometimes this petty things like that, it just ruins the things of God, you know that? You can never go forward. I remember hearing, I think it was Jabe Nicholson preaching, it was his father somewhere in Northern Ireland or something, he was preaching and um, came in to do a series of gospel meetings and the guy said, well, brother, we have a little bit of problem. So-and-so's not talking to so-and-so. And he said, really? And the guy said, yeah, yeah it's, you know, it's just a little problem. And he said, uh, do, you, do you have the keys? There was a meeting, you know, all the people were there for the for the door. And he said, yeah. He said, can I have them? Oh, okay. And so he went up and he locked the door. He said, look, we're not leaving until we get this thing fixed, right? Man, we need more like that, don't we? So as you look at this Percentage, we always see this though in the middle of this. Discipline is only there, now get this, to bring the person back. It's never designed as get rid of that guy. He's been a troublemaker this whole time, or that girl. We want to, you know, yes, let's discipline him. No, the idea is, you know, in tears and broken over it, hoping that through this process, God is going to work in their heart and they'll be brought back in. And if that isn't the case, then it's not, God's not in it. I'm sorry. And so we see this in in chapter uh, 18 all the way through this. He he kind of deals with this. And let's look at um, chapter 19. Because the beginning of chapter 18 is a great portion. But let's look at 19, okay? This deals with, really, with divorce. And a lot of times people sit there and they, and I've preached through it and talked about it. Uh, we notice in here, in verse 8, it says this. He says to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, permitted you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And yes, it, 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 of course, it's sinful. But, you know, anything that goes against God is sin, isn't it? Is someone, because they get divorced, are they gone forever at the sight of God? Sometimes that's the way we treat it, right? Uh, we can have someone there that, um, you know, may be a drunkard. And, uh, you know, he's, he's lived terrible life. I mean, he's a believer, and then he gets into drunkenness, and then, and then he comes back, and we're all rejoicing. Everything's forgotten. But someone who makes a mistake and gets divorced, man, we usually write him right off. But, you know, the problem is, and all sin is a problem, it's a heart issue. That's all it is. It's a heart issue. The heart is wrong. And, you know, God tells us we need a new heart, don't we? We need to have a heart of flesh. We need to have a heart like his heart. They didn't, the disciples here. And you read that. You remember the little children come over, and of course he he goes to embrace them, right? Suffer little children to come unto me for such is the kingdom of God. He always had a heart for kids. Well, when they came over, what do you think the disciples did? Well, they did what you, come on, like this is important. The man speaking, get away. Don't don't trouble them, right? That's what they're saying there in verse, uh, what is it? Verse 13. In 14, he responds that way, and so he says he laid his hand, he gives him a hug, that's the idea, that's what he's like. You see, he has compassion, and all the way through this, he has, and you remember, there's two other instances in here uh, about the heart issue, and you see this guy, this, this uh, rich man, he comes to the Lord, and he says this in um, verse 16, it says, uh, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And so he he basically calls him out. He says, why do you call me good? There's only one who's good. That's God. If he was really on it, he would have saw that God was talking to him. But he says this. But uh, he says, uh, but if you will enter into into life, keep the commandments. So he says to him, which? So Jesus says, you shall do no murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. That means lie, right? Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then the guy says what most people say, and that, you know, if you talk to someone, most people think they have a really good heart, you know, like my friend John Griffin. But unsafe people, they really, if you told an unsafe person, you know you got a wicked, evil heart, (laughs) they probably won't agree with you. Now, if you say to them, what do you think of your heart? They may say, well, you know, I think I'm I'm average. Inside, you know what they're saying? I'm a good guy. What are you talking about? I'm great. Right? Because that's how we think. And so in here, he tells us we need a new heart. This guy needed a new heart. His problem was he loved money. He loved the cares of the thing far more than he loved his neighbor. I mean, imagine his neighbor coming over. Oh, I really like that Ferrari you got there. Can I have it? Thank you. Uh, where are the keys? No, I'm not sure that would have gone over, right? He probably didn't have a Ferrari, maybe a donkey, okay. Nice donkey. But, you know, what happens is the Lord, so the Lord says to him, now, you know, Mark's gospel puts it this way, it says the Lord loved him. So sometimes you're reading this, you might think he's kind of challenging him. But no, he, he, he really cares for this guy. He wants to see him saved. And it also tells us, you know, it's always a work of God. And maybe you've shared with someone you thought, hey, I don't know, I must have done something wrong. Believe me, you know, you probably maybe did do things wrong, but it's God's work. He's the one who does the saving. And if the Lord Jesus has a guy that's asking him how to get saved, goes away unsaved, hey, it could happen to anybody, right? And so at the end of this, it says this, but the young man, when the Lord tells him, look, sell all you have, give it to the poor, you'll have uh, treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And so it says this, the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. You see, he loved money, loved the cares of this life, far more than the things of God. And so then what happens uh, here is, of course, the disciples, when they hear this, they go, man, there's no hope for us. You see, in their minds, the only people that got to heaven were rich people. Those are the ones that God blessed. So if they're not going, (laughs) you know, what hope is there for us? I I would preach one time in... in, uh, Mallow County, in County Cork, in Ireland, and uh, there's this one place, of course, the best place to preach, generally the center of the town, was focused around the church, right? They always would build the church, and they'd build the town around the church. Most of those old churches there, they took almost 100 years to build, Uh, you know, and so this one is just like that in Mallow, and they had uh, some scripture on the wall, you know what it was? I am the resurrection and the life. I would say, like, just read what it's saying there, you know? And I remember looking up there, and they had the graves, you know. The guys who are really holy, they get to get buried in the churchyard, you know. And there was someone there, and I remember it was uh, Right Reverend Holy So-and-So, right. I can't remember the guy's name. But on, on another sign on it, you know what it said? Please pray for the repose of his soul. Pray for his soul. And I would often use that. I'd say, look, if you've got to pray for his soul... What about you? I mean, you're just an average Catholic, aren't you? I mean, if he's not in yet, boy, there's not much hope for you, is there? You know, think about it. And, you know, in this, that's the way they're sort of thinking. If this guy's not in, how are we going to get in? And, of course, the Lord reminds him here, and sometimes people have interpreted this where it goes, um, again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go into the kingdom of God. And, you know, there's a saying that actually a camel, the eye of the needle, was the center of the town, or the entry into the town, and it was possible. Well, actually, the word here is a surgeon's needle. It, he's saying it's impossible, okay? That's the thought that's conveyed here. But he says this, with man it's impossible, but with God what? All things are possible, all things. You know, sometimes i will tell the story about Jonah. And, you know, people go, you know, they, oh, I can't believe these. swallows. I said, I'm surprised God didn't use a guppy to swallow him, you know. Like, it wouldn't surprise me. It's a miracle. And so in this, what do we see at the end of this? It says, um, Peter hears all this, and, you know, he gets. he's probably thinking it. Well, I've been offended so many times. Okay. Peter says, uh, behold, we have forsaken all and followed you, uh, you know, how many times, um, you know, sorry, where am I here? I've lost it here. Uh, then Peter said, uh, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed you. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus says to him, um, he reminds him here, that anything you do for the Lord, he's going to keep track of it. It'll be, uh, he'll be mindful of it. And he says this in verse 29. He says, And everyone that has forsaken houses, or brothers, or sisters, or fathers, or mothers, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. And then, of course, he says, but many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Again, it's the opposite. And now he goes into this story in chapter 20 here, and we're just going to read this, and maybe you've read this before, and it it may have struck you some things about it. And so we read these uh, 15 verses here. He talks about this guy who's a a vineyard owner, and... um, Guys come and they make a deal with them. They say, look, can we sign a contract with you? Would you be willing to do that? Yeah. How much? Okay, this is what we agreed. Would you do that? And it was, from what I understand, it was a fair wage for what they were doing. And so he says, sure, I'll sign that contract, sure. Okay, and so he hires them. And then it says in the third hour, um, he says he saw some people... Uh, standing in the marketplace. So these guys started at 6 in the morning, the other guys 9 in the morning. You see some guys there, and uh, he says to them, um, go into the vineyard, whatever is right I will give you. So now they rely on his goodness, you see. And so they just, okay, yeah, you're going to do that? Okay, good. And uh, then we see at 12 o'clock, and then 3 o'clock is the same thing. And finally it says at about the 11th hour, this is 5 p.m., Uh, He says he went out and he found others standing idle. So he says to them, why are you standing all the day idle? Like, why aren't you guys working? Well, it wasn't because they weren't willing to work. You have to understand that. It says, because no one has hired us. So he says to them, go also into the vineyard, and whatever is right, that shall you receive. And, uh, okay, so that sounds good. So then the evening comes, and now it's time to pay them. And, of course, what does he say? He says, oh, I want you to start from the last to the first. Now, why is he doing that? Well, obviously, he's trying to point, point out something here, isn't he? Don't you think? Right? I mean, you can see how this would work really well in a union shop today, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, if I had to work eight hours and you only worked one, I mean, I'd be all over that, wouldn't you? People would. I mean, you read it and everything screams, no fair! Right? And, uh, of course, this is the case um, w- with the people as, they, as he starts to pay. He pays the last guys, and let's say it's $100, okay? So you're thinking you've worked all day long. You've already made an agreement for how much? $100. But these guys worked an hour. They got 100 bucks. Man, it's looking good for me, right? But he starts there, and he starts giving them all the same thing. And of course, you can imagine, it says at the end of this, they're upset, they're angry. And you know, he says to them, uh, and when they received it, they murmured against the good man of the house. And they said, look, we've, we worked all day long, those guys only worked an hour, it's not fair. My kids used to say that to me, that's not fair. I go, what's not fair? You're getting food today, that's, that's not fair, why should I pay for your food? <laughs> When you work on a farm, you can get away with those things, you know. <laughs> but you know, at the end of this, they, they just scream out, "It's not fair!" He says, "Look, we've worked for all this. We've borne the burden, and so on." And he says to him, well, "Hey, hold on! Like, he oh, hey, this is a contract, right? Hey, isn't that yours? You actually gave it to me, right? You see, the other ones just relied on his goodness." And so what do we see in this? Well, we see that God is sovereign, right? I mean, that's a picture that we see that, in other words, God can do whatever God chooses to do. Now, he gave everyone their need, not their greed, but their need, what they needed, okay? That's the idea here. And uh, we also understand this, though, in light of that, but let's not forget that whatever he pleases, that's whatever God pleases to do, will be right, just, and fair, you know? In other words... We have to run everything through the idea of the character of God. God is love. And so he's never going to do something that contradicts with his character. And so even in this, he loves them. He loves them all, though. And the other ones had a need, and he met that need for them. And he shows them that. And so then again, at the end of this, what's he say? He says, so the last shall be first, and the first last for many be called, but few chosen. And so he's showing them in here that, you know what? Heaven is not like it is down here on earth. And he's really saying this. We must abandon our greedy natures, our competitive spirit, and try and think the way he thinks, which often is the exact opposite. In other words, down is up. uh, Sorry, up is down and down is up. And we see that as he starts to tell the story as he goes through here, right? Uh, We won't even pick up... um, you know the story because they just don't get it. He's telling them about their, his death, and what do they do? Yeah, who's going to be first place? I, hey, can I can I be first? He's just telling them about his death, right? Well, we won't even look at that. But at the end of this, he tells them this at the end of that account, verse twenty-five and verse twenty-six. Jesus called to him and said, "You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, right? That's the normal." Thing. When someone you work hard, you become the big boss. That's what he's saying, right? So they're the authority. They get to have authority. And he says, uh, over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But he says, you know what? We have to do it the opposite way. Uh, Someone put it this way he says, you know, speaking about an elder, he says, you know, you've arrived when somebody hands you a broom. (laughs) The idea is work, right? It's a working thing. And here, he says this, but it shall not be so among you, but whoever will be great among you, let him be your servant. And then he goes on, he says, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your bond slave. That's the word here, given. And then he goes on to say, you know, giving you the reflection, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That's what he did. You imagine God coming to this sin-cursed earth would be enough. But then to offer himself for you and for me. Isn't it amazing when you think of it? And you know, well, the end of this story, what do you see? You see these two blind men. Now, it's interesting that it says they're blind. But actually, they're the only ones you see in this story, right? What are they crying out? You son of David. And you can see these guys there. They're not taking no for an answer. Their disciples are saying, you know, hey, 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 come on, shh. You know what they start doing? I won't wake you up, but they start screaming, son of David! I, I guarantee you, they weren't just going like, hey, like, son David, you around there? No, they were they saw this. They were in need and they were crying out to him. You know why? Because he they knew that he could heal him. And you know what's even greater about it? He meets everyone's need. Always. You read through, it's a hundred percent. Every need is always met by him. And so as you see at the end of this, what was their response? They cry out louder, you know, you son of David, have mercy on us. He says, what do you want? He says, that that we can see. And it says this, Jesus had compassion on them. You know, the Irish have a word for that. You know what they say? He was gutted for them. (laughs) It's a good word. And it says this, and immediately their eyes received sight. And you know what happens next? Well, it says something. It says they followed him. They followed him. Have your eyes been opened to the Lord? Are you following him? Let's just close in order of prayer. Lord, we do thank you so much. Uh, I thank you for opening my eyes, and I'm sorry I don't follow you like I should. would just pray for each one of us here. Help us to have hearts that would be like your heart. Uh, we think of that song, you know, let us see these people that are... Uh, and desperate needs all around us help us to uh, have your hands your feet your eyes your mouth and so on to be used by you we just pray this in jesus name amen